Hello, friends, and welcome to Liberation Lectionary, where each week we do a deep dive, or sort of a deep dive, in uh, the upcoming Sunday readings, according to the Revised Common Lectionary, um, looking, searching, exploring those readings for nuggets of liberation that we can share uh, with you. My name is Jamie Edwards Acton. I am an Episcopal priest and agitator out in Los Angeles, and joining me always is... Hey friends, Francisco Garcia, also an Episcopal priest, uh, agitator, troublemaker, travieso, uh, lover of uh, all spicy things. What else? So, book and, lover, music book. lover, connoisseur. <laughs> Let's not get into the music stuff. All right. But uh, put me to shame. No, it's all fun. It's all fun. But uh, we, yeah, we, we like to, I think we, we kind of, we like the improv improvisational style. We're kind of like, you know, in the spirit of Cornell West and, and, and how he likes to riff off of, a, um, you know, we kind of try and do the same in our own sort of unique uh, way. So here we are. Here we are again. And this week it is uh, for the, let's see, did I had this a second ago, 18th Sunday after Pentecost. And we are still in the book of Mark, thank goodness. I love this gospel. And um, we are uh, at Mark 9, uh, 38 through 50. And today, Francisco is going to read it from the New Revised Common, uh, New Revised Standard Version. Wow. I'm confused today. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Right on. Well, Dang, there's some, there's some, uh, the unquench, the, the, the fire that never quenches, Jamie. That mean old Jesus. <laughs> that gang, Jesus, what is this? <laughs> I think it's worth pointing out that, um, I don't have the, I mean, it's said several times in Mark, and I don't know the exact quotes right now, but we've covered it. Uh, in the last few weeks, but it points out, you know, that Jesus, um, it says that Jesus uh, did not speak to them except in parables, right, when talking to the disciples, 
He only spoke in parables. So it might be uh, helpful to keep that in mind when, you know, if we're thinking suddenly Jesus shifts into literal gear, uh, we might want to back off from that a little bit and just uh, um, think about, um, you know, often when Jesus is um, like, like, like we do, Francisco, you know, we use hyperbole, we use shock, you know, um, when we want to really kind of make a point, right, particularly when it's with folks who have a different perspective than we do, or, you know, coming at it from a different angle or whatever, we want to really get someone to like pay attention to what we're saying, we can use kind of hyperbole, we can kind of go, you know, so I just want, I hope people keep that in mind, so they don't get thrown too off by, you know, too far off by the, uh, the strong imagery and language there. Yeah, and I think, you know, Jesus does this in lots of other places, like when he talks about um, uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven, right? I mean, so he's right. just saying, this is how hard it is if you are tied up in your possessions to, you know, you're competing against this really difficult challenge. Right, right. So in the same way, I think you're absolutely right, Jamie, that the stumbling block, right? And, and that's what we got to get to, like how much emphasis Jesus places on, you know, perspectives and positions within society, right, that have been um, disempowered, trampled upon, marginalized, you know, we can name all kinds it's of missed, right, yeah, missed, yep. we talked about last Sunday, about children being sort of non-entities or invisibilized, and again, he's picking up on this theme again, right, um, if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones, and it's, I love it in Spanish because it's kind of los, pe los pequeños, right? Los pequeñitos. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, it's not a put down. Jesus is, is at, it's, it's like a term of endearment, of deep compassion. One of these little ones that the world belongs to them. The kingdom of God belongs to them. And, you know, right. if I didn't come here to subvert and change the order in some way, then why did I, why did I come? And that's what I'm trying to get y'all to understand. That's right. Yeah. And we made the point last week, you know, that with Jesus took the child up into their midst and welcome, whoever welcomes the child, you know, welcomes, you know, not just the child and, but me and not just me, but the, you know, God who sent me and, and you rightly connected that to Matthew 25. And I think that you need to keep that whole thread still in mind here when we're talking about the little ones it's that those who have been like you said left out put down uh pushed you know pushed out their voices unheard forgotten left behind all those um but i and think I, the oh go ahead no yeah yeah and so just with that i think what jesus is in a way saying is like by your dismissal of 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 folks who are in these situations you are basically dismissing me and dismissing yourself you are you might you have created um your own version of hell because of your lack of human connection and solidarity um with with those that the kingdom sees as um you know needing um you know change needing liberation you know right right and i i, I like this passage because you know you and i we Francisco, we both do a lot of interfaith work in our organizing and stuff. And, and this is, you know, this Jesus is trying to get us to, um, you know, invites us to new ways of thinking about uh, us and others, right? The other, there's a couple things going on here. One is like, 
can we can we come up with a new criteria right for how you know who we decide to relate ourselves to or be in solidarity with or stand with right and does it have to be you know something that we confess or something that we assent to uh in terms of you know some kind of uh belief or whatever or can we connect ourselves to the actions right our the the common compassion that we might have or the common organizing work right the common works for justice which is where we focus right when we bring folks together organizers from different traditions uh we focus on the justice right that that uh, we're trying to embody and enact um and so there's that invitation um from jesus here and i also like the other thing that jesus does here which you know uh is a very liberation theology kind of thing is is that he's trying to change the orientation, right? He's trying to change the protagonist. Who is the protagonist, right, in this passage? And usually, you know, the church is notorious for seeing themselves as the protagonist in salvation history, right, in God's, uh, you know, story. But here Jesus turns that, right, and, and is talking about whoever gives you a cup, Right. This isn't like even Matthew 25, where, you know, what you did to the, you know, to those who were hungry or thirsty or sick or incarcerated or whatever. But here it's like whoever gives you a cup um, because you bear my name, you know, that they're, you know, that they're not going to lose anything. They're, you know, they're right there with the program. And I love how suddenly the disciples become the recipients. Right. Or it's like they're they're the other now right you know i mean they're not they're not the protagonist or subject but they're the other and i think that's a that's a, a good lesson for us to learn i think constantly in the church yeah i know i like how you said that because it's um it's not you know it's not one directional right this applies to us um and um they're they're and i think that's really what what solidarity is about right it's about um, understanding that we are interdependent, that we are in re in relationship with others and not apart from others, um, and that there are, um, you know, that there are struggles and there are forces of power, there are systems of power that actually um, wreak havoc on the vast majority of us. I mean, to different degrees, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but um, you know, the 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 injustices hit. Um, nonetheless. And so I, I like how, um, you know, Jesus talks about here um, that this idea that um, whoever is not against us is for us, right? And, and, and the possibility from like, um, how do we actually build, um, you know, connection and solidarity across difference, which is, you know, probably some of the toughest work that we can ever do. But, right. Um, and sometimes maybe even ecumenically, it's even harder than, say, interreligious work, right? Um, you know, I think it's pretty, we've been fortunate in, you know, you and I, Jamie, in, in, in working with, um, you know, doing a lot of interreligious and ecumenical work. Um, sometimes working with our Muslim and our Jewish um, friends that identify with justice in some way is easier than, than, than reaching all of our Christian friends <laughs> from other denominations, right? Yeah, yeah. mean that we're not called to try and figure out how to do that work, you know? So I right. think it is an invitation to sort of say like, 
whoever is not for us is against us is for us um and who is who is the us right 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 yeah it's funny it's some of the more fascinating experiences have been with our you know sisters and brothers from other christian traditions you know primarily more whether they be evangelical or pentecostal but yet they have this fire for justice it's you know fascinating and uh and and really uh lovely and inviting right just in as fellow christians inviting us to uh explore that a little bit more you know what i mean be drawn into that uh kind of um you know experience of uh, our own christian faith um yeah and, and then you know the if, if we can see this the center part of this reading if we can hear it in parabolic terms you know like it's uh that this is once again jesus teaching with images and metaphors and symbols and stuff um it's it's a it's a important point right i mean there's things that sometimes we need in order to kind of keep the um, you know keep the movement going forward and stuff we have to kind of cut losses sometimes um things that are really dragging us down things that are investing um you know our movement i mean this is every movement deals with this right um where it's easily uh kind of you know agendas pop up and want to kind of they think they're saving the movement but you know it's really trying to uh over i don't know distract it or you know or whatever um but i think you know in terms if we think of the church in terms of a movement right for for love and justice and 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 um compassion and stuff like that it's it's worth considering what are the you know not not only the things we're constantly thinking what do we need to do right next or what do we need to do differently but maybe what some of the things we need to do differently is let things go mm -hmm. you know like let things go cut them off uh so that we can so that we can be free to experience uh something you know new in the future so anyways i'm just playing with that right now yeah i think that's good and um the second part of, of, of the passage about, I mean, I think it just invites a question of what are the things that we do or have done either in, as individuals or as, you know, as communities that have put stumbling blocks before people that have prevented them from, you know, from their, you know, discerning or deepening their, their work, you know, um, of following Jesus, right? in you know in the way um you know and sometimes we i, I you know uh, do we think that if, if they're not doing it exactly the way that we do it that it's wrong you know mm -hmm. um, and so i think it's just always a good reflection piece like we can we can love what we do and think that what we do works and also understand that um folks have to come into their own understanding of, of what a, a life of faith means for them, right? Doesn't yeah. mean we don't agitate, doesn't mean that we don't, you know, you know, do, do, do have hard conversations, but I think that the relationship, you know, matters. And I think Jesus is, is lifting up that relationship, right? He, you know, when, when the disciples were wanting to shut this other exorcist up, right? This other, this other person who was casting out demons in Jesus's name, he says, nah, let them do it. Let them do it, right? Why, they're not doing me any harm. If they're proclaiming this message, they, they can't speak against me, basically, right? Right. And so 
I think it just it just goes back to this idea that there are many paths and there are many ways of doing this work, and um, there are going to be points where we converge in the work, and and points where we don't, you know, and it's right. as long as we are sort of fulfilling our sense of 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 speaking out against injustice and living out that gospel faithfully. It's all good, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then what do you make of this last part, uh, Francisco? You know, that for everyone will be salted with fire, you know? And uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think that, go, to, for me, that connects back to the prior couple readings, right? Where Jesus is, uh, the last two Sundays, has made the point about, you know, to the disciples, about, you know, this is what the son of man looks like, right? You're focused on this, this image of the Messiah that has really got you uh, distracted, right? From what's right in front of you and God's new thing or old, old new thing that mm -hmm. is doing in our midst. And, um, and then, and part of that, when each of the last two Sundays, Jesus has pointed out that there's consequences right? So not only consequences for Jesus, like living this out to the end, as we say, right, to the very end, that it will, there are some inevitabilities, right? But being followers of Jesus too, there are, there are some inevitable consequences that are going to come with that. We're going to bump up against um, people who um, are don't understand, are going to want to quiet us, are going to want to you know, push back or, you know, denounce us or whatever. And it, that could be in very small, subtle ways and people just, you know, ridiculing us, whether it's in our families or, you know, in our communities or something like that, or it could be in bigger ways, right? Where authorities, you know, those who make decisions, those who, uh, whether it's in the church or out of the church are going to try to somehow, you know, put limits around us or box us in or quiet us or whatever. And I feel like that, like everyone will be salted with fire. I think that you know, there's, there's two things to that. One, we're going to feel it. If, if we're going to follow Jesus, it's, we're going to feel things, right? And it's not always going to be super pleasant, or yeah. like I'm in a state of nirvana, right? Uh, but to, to cross over faith there, but, uh, but on the, so it's, it's going to be uncomfortable, but at the same time, there's this flavorful aspect to it, right? You know that before I was a priest, I was a cook, right? That's what I did for a living. And so I'm all down for using flavors as, you know, at, to talk about our discipleship. And the, the thing about one thing that's distinct to salt, there's a lot of aspects about salt, but one thing that salt does is it brings out the best flavor in every other thing you put in there, right? Whether it's whatever herb it is, whatever, you know, thing you're cooking or whatever, salt has the power to bring the best you know, out of it and, and to preserve as we know too. Um, and those are two wonderful aspects, I think, of being part of a faith community, at least as a pastor, right? That's like, that's gotta be in the top five things that we do, I think is, you know, we're trying to bring the best, right? Out of folks, the most flavorful aspects of their faith in their lives. Mm, I dig it, I dig it. And now I'm hungry. So <laughs> I'll have some jalapenos and some cayenne pepper and all the stuff. That's spice, right. You know, That's right. The mix. But you know, I almost think like the end of this is is like a, if salt has its lost its saltiness, how can you season it? It's like a rhetorical question because by definition, I don't think salt can lose its flavor, right? 
I think it can get old, but you know, to believe it or not, I think, but I don't think it can lose its like saltiness. You know what I mean? Like, I think it could get like acquire other, you know, non-salt taste, but yeah. Even if you put it in a cup of water, it's going to dissolve into the water and the water is going to be taste different, right? Yep. So I don't know, something about that last phrase of have salt in yourselves and be at peace at one another. It, it go, it, it, it's connecting somehow to the very beginning, right? With them fighting and trying to stop this outside exorcist, you know, um, who is also, you know, casting out demons in Jesus' name is be at peace with one another. Um, everyone's going to have their own flavor, right? That guy, that, right. that guy or gal that's, that's out there healing has got their own flavor. That's fine. You know, salt is good. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually love that. I just, it just stood out to me because that last 49 and 50, for everyone will be salted with fire. That sounds strong. And then, like you said, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. To me, it's, you know, if you're going to have this, this, uh, this kind of, uh, this, you know, this salt that can feel like fire, but then we're yet being called to be at peace it makes it clear what Martin Luther King said, right? That peace is not the absence of conflict, right? But the presence of justice. So, you know, that, and the, so they're in this, this salting firing thing uh, for me then in that, in that context calls up some kind of justice making or being part of the justice process. Um, and that in doing that itself brings peace, not the absence of conflict, but the fact that you're being part of a justice process or movement or whatever, that's where the peace lies. And with all its diversity and with all its, you know, different traditions involved and stuff like that. So that, that's interesting that that stood out for me right there. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's, it's also like, think about all the pointless fights that we get into, again, like within the Christian context, right? Like, um, you know, and within one denomination, right? Like people want to use incense every Sunday, there are people that don't, right? Um, and we've had all these battles, right? Um, and over what is right, you know, right worship, right? Um, or, you know, we can go back into history in terms of the Christian fights over what was happening at the Eucharist, right? Um, um, but it's like, everyone's going to have their own flavor. Everyone's going to have their own version of being Christian. And um, there are some essentials I think that we can that we need to look to, but let's strip away all of these other things and, and, and look at what Jesus is saying, right? And what is he lifting up? Yeah. Yeah, you make me think of I wish it was right here within reach, but I have a maybe this no, that's not it. Uh, but I have a book that I bought. It's um it's on cooking and it's on combining flavors, right? And it's taking a chemical kind of a, it works, it's written by a chef and a, and a perfume maker, right? That, and they both deal in the same kind of stuff. And they're looking at like the molecular compounds that are in certain flavors and foods and herbs and stuff. And what they do is they, um, they break it down chemically and then they show, you know, this is why, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, uh, something like, uh, this is why pancake, pancake syrup goes well with pancakes because of these chemical compounds or peanut butter and jelly or something like that, right? They show some of the traditional ones, but then they, then they break it down to those basic building blocks, right? On the molecule level. And they show like, you know, you can actually, we can, we can, you can, you'll find that these will go together with other things you have never imagined before that have the same chemical 
you know, compound. And so the whole book is about trying to go beyond what is familiar, what is traditional, you know, what we're comfortable with, and to see where we can find great flavor pairings in things we would never imagine before. And again, I wish I had the book here because I'd read some of the things that are just like, oh no, I'd never eat that. But in, you know, in fact, they really go well together. So let's like, apply that to our faith too. <laughs> find, your, find your flavor, just, you know. So, find your flavor. Jesus, include justice. That's, your that's right, that's right. Break it down to his basic, you know, building blocks. Justice and love and all that and start combining flavors. Start cooking. <laughs> all right, well, we've sufficiently gone off the deep end, Francisco. Now we're talking about what we're having for dinner. Um, but um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it today. It's great to see you, my friend. So please join us uh, here where every week uh, we're doing our best to try to get this out earlier than later. So you actually can utilize uh, if you choose uh, some of our thoughts. Um, we got some great comments this last week on the Facebook page and uh, it's really inspiring for us. We hope that you'll continue to do that. Also uh, to share with us, uh, to, sh to share uh, Liberation Lectionary with others. Um, and then also you can follow us on uh, any podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and um, you can listen to us there. And hopefully you'll get a few things you can use in your own sermon or, or your own speech out at some rally or dinner table conversation. So hope it's been useful. And, but thank you for joining us this week and we'll see you again real soon. Peace. Peace.